everyone. I am Carla Jakubovic, hostess of the Swiss Learning Podcast, and thanks for listening. Swiss Learning represents 16 prestigious schools in Switzerland, and they're experts at finding the right fit for each student. This season, we will showcase our heads of schools to share their stories and insights with you. This morning, we're welcoming Christophe Cudin from Institute Le Rosé. Christophe, welcome to the show. Bonjour, Carla. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Christoph. let's start at the very beginning. Where were you born and raised? Tell us a little bit about how you grew up. It's pretty easy. I was born and raised in Rosé, really. Um, stepped foot on campus when I was three months old uh, for the first time of my life. I spent my childhood years as a student here and then purposefully went away for 15 years to do some very different things to, to see the world. And so I lived a bit around. Uh, I worked in the U.S. I worked in a number of countries in Europe. And uh, came back to uh, education and uh, to the place that is so close to my heart, which is Rosé. That sounds great. Christoph. who was your childhood hero and why? <laughs> well, I think my childhood hero is, uh, was probably a French author that you'll have heard about because he's the author of uh, Le Petit Prince, The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Uh, both because I loved his books and not only Le Petit Prince, which is obviously a masterpiece, but beyond that, uh, some of his novels on uh, being one of the first aviator in the world, really, and crossing mountains and uh, hurricanes and uh, and crashing and surviving. And then uh, as, as a private pilot myself, I've always been felt very attracted to this uh, duality of being such a great literary mastermind as well as being an adventurer and, and an incredible pilot. Uh, definitely Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. I like that. Uh, Christophe, along your journey, was there a meaningful teacher or mentor who impacted your life? There were. There were actually quite a few different teachers, but the one that probably comes to my mind uh, fastest was a, was a literature teacher again. And, and it's interesting that Literature has always played a big role, but at the same time, I did engineering studies later on, right? So, and I think that duality is, is always interesting when you have multiple passions. It's what build a bit of a character. And so my literature teacher, French literature teacher in Rosé, was a, was a brilliant lady, um, very touching. And I think with her, I discovered that you can write to express ideas much better than you'd say them, uh, tell them. And so I wrote essays about personal things that I would hand out to her that had nothing to do with homework, but that she, she would still read and would discuss and would discuss both the literary aspect, but also what was in it. And I, I felt it was a very useful way of expressing myself as a teenager. And she was a very, very kind ear to what I had to share. And, and that connection was very deep with her. It is true that is an incredibly powerful tool, especially for, you know, introverted uh, people, but for extroverts alike. So I'm glad you're bringing that up. Uh, you mentioned you're pretty much born and raised. And Rosé, did uh, did you know early on that you were going to end up in education? As a student, I loved the place. And, uh, and I think I dreamt of coming back. And so that was always sort of in the back of my mind uh, then. But I purposefully put it completely off the map during quite a few years. And so and so I did the engineering studies, as I said, which aren't particularly linked to education uh, to start with. And I worked in different domains. And, and so I wanted to broaden a bit my view. I wanted to see other things. And once I've seen uh, and I've worked as a consultant for a little while, also, so I did have uh, a view of a number of different industries, a number of different types of working environment 
And um, once I had that experience, I knew that I wanted to do something very meaningful. And when I sat down to reflect on really what I wanted to do, uh, there was very few things that attracted me as much as education. And it lied with where my heart was as well. Uh, so when both heart and mind come together, it was quite an obvious choice. But I purposely put it off for quite a few years. Yeah, well, and you said, you know, we wouldn't, one wouldn't automatically link engineering with education. But, you know, I have a brother who's an engineer, and I think you guys are incredibly good at problem solving. So I think that comes in handy <laughs> at our schools as well. Hopefully, and I think we're coming to a time where actually being an engineer is increasingly important and useful. Uh, in education and understanding what AI is and how it works and having done machine learning in my studies also is definitely something that is proving more useful than I might have thought 20 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Christoph, uh, I believe you're now the fifth generation uh, leading the school. Is that correct? I'm the fifth director of the school, indeed. And how in 144 would... years. That's incredible. How would you describe your leadership style? I like to move. I like to see what's gonna what's gonna happen next, and uh, I'm I'm quite involved in the number of entrepreneurial uh, projects which we can talk about. And every year, I take a group of students to Silicon Valley, and I think the fail fast uh, and move is is an interesting concept. And and the failing, obviously, in education is a very interesting concept because I think for a very long time, education didn't dare failing. And um, it's important that we embrace an aspect of failure. There's a clear aspect that children are not guinea pigs, right? And we're not going to try out things just to try out things on students. That being said, you can work with students in trying a new method in the class to see how it works and getting the feedback from students and, and, and trying to uh, and trying to get them on board. You, you can work with students uh, to build the best class possible. And that's going to be a trial and error method because essentially every class is going to be different. And so, uh, I, for instance, encourage teachers a lot to, to get the feedback from the children and, and to move and to iterate from it. So I think my leadership style is really to to learn from what you're doing, but look forward always. And uh, and there's a number of projects we have right now on campus, including uh, significant construction where entrepreneurship will play a big part uh, in how we're going to teach and learn in the school, which is uh, looking a bit ahead, which is always the most interesting aspect, I think. Absolutely. What's something most of us don't know about Le Rosé? Uh, that's an interesting question. There's <laughs> I can give you a couple of answers. The, the the first one is most people will probably have an image of Rosé and Strings of Rosé as fairly spoiled. And I think what most people don't know is that the reality is very, very far from, from that. And uh, so often I have visitors or recent students that just come in that said, you know, that's a bit the image I had. And talking to students, checking what was going on, living here for a few weeks for new students, they all come back and say, this is as far as I could imagine from the truth. And um, there's, a, there's an aspect of it that Rosians don't need to prove anything to each other in terms of money. And they have much better ways to prove themselves to each other in terms of sports, in terms of what they do in class. And, so, and that aspect is sometimes counterintuitive with what some people might have as an image of the school. Uh, so so that, that'd definitely be one. Um, 
Another thing that most people won't know about Rosé is that there's a very crazy day. Uh, all the people that have come to Rosé will know it, but there's a very crazy day where the students take in the, uh, the reins and control everything that's happening on campus. And you have to become a Rosian to know what happens there. I won't <laughs> say more. <laughs> that does sound interesting. Um as far as, you know, your proudest achievements and accomplishments, is there one that sticks out to you that makes you, you know, most proud of? It'd be, it'd be easy to say, you know, some of the construction, some of the, the, the project, entrepreneurial project or service learning project that we've developed a lot that uh, there's recent years, the, the new camp that we opened in Kenya where we're working in Maasai. But bottom line is, I think, if you really ask me personally what I'm the most proud of, it will every time be what students are achieving, right? And and in all honesty, the students who are the proudest are usually not the ones that will get to Yale and Harvard and, and, and Princeton's because they've always been great students and very strong students, right? The students who are the proudest of are the ones that might have struggled a bit more and that eventually achieve far better than what most would have thought of a few years before. And this is where I think, you know, the day I give them the diploma at the end of, the, at the end of their final year, that's probably one of the proudest moments as a school director I think you can get is, is when you're, you see the impact the school might have had on the, on the kid. Yeah, absolutely. The stories of resilience and overcoming uh, obstacles. I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, you were just speaking of strong students. What kind of students thrive at your school? I think to thrive at Laurel, you need to be, first of all, very curious. Um, and you in that, you're going to be offered a range of different opportunities. You're going to be living with students that are coming from very different countries with very different opinions on a number of things. And you need to be open and curious to learn about it and, and to make something out of it. And I think that's really the, the first essential ability, right? Is to want to learn about things you might have not known yet existed, uh, be it you know, learning about, uh, we're going to do a project of uh, replanting coral reefs uh, somewhere with students and diving and doing coral reefs, learning about uh, your fellow classmates that are coming from a country you might have never heard of, uh, learning about the different projects that are going on around, learning about a new uh, a concert that you might have never attended last last week we had actually uh Platinev, who's one of the most master uh, pianists in the world uh, who created the national orchestra in russia was dismantled by putin recently and decided to put together an orchestra again with half russians half ukrainian musicians in, in his orchestra wow and we had them for two days on, on campus where they played rachmaninoff it was an incredible experience and some students might have never thought you know, this is something I'll, I'll attend or I'll enjoy. And uh, I think being curious to those things is, is a very important one. The second one is students that are a bit restless. I think if you're looking for a quiet, relaxed time, there are better schools for you. Uh, if you like a busy day, if you like to do 10 activities uh, a week and explore new things and add, and if you're all right with having sometimes a few clashes in your schedule, then Rosa is probably the right school for you. I like that. And the third one is simply to, to be to be community driven, right? And to, to care about others. 
of course care about others in the community, but cares about care about others beyond and, and want to use what you're going to learn and discover in Rosé to make a positive impact in the world. I really like that. I think kindness is very underrated and I think it goes a long way in your personal life, in your professional life. So uh, I enjoy hearing that. You mentioned that you really enjoyed Rosé as a student, but was there something that you disliked as a student that you did change once you became the director? Um, there, there are probably a couple of things. One is food, which I think in every single university school uh, you'll hear it. And then as my fellow Rosians at the time, I probably complained uh, a bit about the food. Um, I wouldn't lie if I say they never complain about the food, but I think most Rosians understand, and especially once they graduate and they reach university, they all come back saying, I miss Rosé food so much. <laughs> and I think we, we've made big strides there. And recently we've had a, a big push to, to eat far more organic products and, and simpler products that, that are, that are uh, also sustainable. And I think there we, we've made a, we've made a, quite a bit of difference recently. And the students are buying into it. So, so there's, a, there's a positive aspect there. That being said, it's when students don't complain about food that I'm getting worried. The food complaining is my baseline. So uh, they, they will always complain about food. They're teenagers. And if we don't give them pizzas and hamburgers, some of them will, com will complain quite often. So It's the number that, one thing that comes up in my conversations with them. <laughs> so I'm really happy you brought it, it up. Be. It will be. Uh, the second one is probably an interesting shift. In, in my days, the we have a student committee which is elected by the whole students and they're representing the students. And in my days, the students that tended to get elected were often very nice people, quite kind, but they tended to be the ones that were more goofing around and might not have been the most serious students. And, and I've seen recently um, far more students are both nice and extremely kind because that's, I think, one of the key elements to be elected, but also that are extremely dedicated and are the ones that are going to the top universities. And, and, and I think as role models, this is, this is quite powerful. So that I'm very happy of that shift there. Yeah, absolutely. It does sound like an important one. Um, Rosé has been around for almost 150 years now. And you mentioned that your style is to always be moving and always be getting ahead. How do you innovate without compromising tradition? I think that's quite easy in a school like Rosé. Because its tradition has always been to innovate quite radically. If you take the second director of the school, for instance, Henri, uh, Henri Carnel, he had this insane idea in 1916 to go up to Stade for the winter, right? And to change the entire school, move the entire school campus uh, during the winter to, to, this, uh, to this new campus. It was insane. And people actually, his father, the founder of the school, didn't talk to him for, for a couple of years because of that, because he thought that students would become stupid because they would go in rarefied air in the, in the mountains. And so, and so it was an insane story. And I think we've always had a bit of craziness, and I'll put it positively, but positive craziness in, in the school's directors uh, along the years. We were the first school to introduce co-ed boarding in Switzerland, for instance, which at the time was very decried. We were the first school to place such an emphasis on the arts. And so I think it's a natural evolution that will every generation will have those crazy moments that will move the school forward. And it's part of the tradition. And I don't think Rose has ever been rooted into tradition that don't move, unlike very much British schools where you have 
uh, traditions that you cannot touch. I think a lot of the traditions can evolve. And, you know, this crazy day that I was talking about where Rosians are leading, that day still exists. It's still the same. And anciens that will come back will recognize it. But at the same time, shouldn't lead it. And so the change and the type of things happening in the day change and it evolves and that's fine. I think it's a very natural one. So the question is keeping some memorable moments, but making them modern. And I think that's not that hard. Yeah, no, and from the examples you've given, it does sound like innovation is part of the DNA of the school. Christoph, the school has a difficult task, which is to prepare students for a world that will be much different from what we know today. What does that process look like? There's four components to it. The first one is the arts, which we've emphasis so much in the past in the past decade and i think getting in touch with your feeling with how part of your brain functions when you perform arts whether it's visual arts theater music listen to music or perform there's a there's an inner connection that is very powerful and there's a getting to know yourself but there's also creativity that stems from it which which is incredibly important and so arts is, is a key element of it Uh, the other one is entrepreneurship that I mentioned, and it's how you take what you're learning in class and apply it to something very concrete. And that, that we're doing quite a bit and we'll do increasingly in the, in the coming years. Um, you need the core knowledge and that won't leave. And having very strong teachers to transmit that core knowledge is always going to be essential. Um, and that, that, that most good schools know how to do. But I think it's refining into what exactly is the core knowledge and how you make sure you keep that knowledge, and then you apply it to something else that, that becomes interesting. And the fourth is having passions. I think passionate people are going to be the one that will make a difference tomorrow in the, in the world. And that's getting to know as many different things so that you find your passion. Absolutely. And besides its academic curriculum, in which aspect do you feel Rosé excels in forming well-rounded individuals? I mentioned the arts. Uh, historically, sports have always been a, a very important tradition of Rosa, and, and a well-rounded individual obviously needs to have a healthy, uh, a healthy body and a healthy mind. But it goes beyond that; it creates the camaraderie, it creates the community spirit, it creates this kindness because you have to look after each other in sports and music when you play in the orchestra. And those type of skills are, are what are really powerful, I think, in doing group work outside of the class. In, the, in those different domains. And then there's a multitude of activities of clubs of societies that the students form to, to lead in different interests and, and follow their different interests. And if you allow me, I wanted to mention self-confidence because I've always felt that a common denominator amongst boarding school kids is that they often feel pressured to be just as successful as their parents were. But in my mm -hmm. conversations, with uh, Rosé alumni, I have found them to be incredibly self-confident. Uh, for instance, in season one of this podcast, I had a conversation with Rhonda Ross, who had chosen to pursue the same singing career as her mother. And she mentions that her friends and relatives were all like, are you sure you want to deal with all the comparisons that are going to come? And she says, Carla, it was very clear to me from the beginning that there would always only be one Diana, but also only one Rhonda. And, you know, that struck me as incredibly self-confident. And she's not the only Rosean that I have talked to. And in my observations, that seems to be a, a recurring trait that I've observed in them. 
Is there a deliberate effort from the school to instill that in its students? There is, uh, there is. And thank you for, for noticing that because I, it, it's quite true and it works in how the school functions as well. Because we, we do tell the students when you arrive here, you are your own first name. And uh, that's the reason we've had the number of people with last names that would have raised uh, eyebrow, not raised our eyebrows, but would have uh, raised interest, piqued interest. And they didn't. And the students that work well in Rose are the ones that are very happy with it, that can build their own first name. And you know, two years ago, I had a daughter of, of superstar that everybody would know the name that graduated. And she told me exactly that. She said, you know, in my previous school in New York, I was the daughter of. I arrived in Rosa and I was myself. I was my first name. And, and I think that is a very strong aspect of Rosa that, that works extremely well. And, and this is the culture, right? It's very intangible. And it's proven by the fact that sometimes we've had students from uh, very high profile families that arrived and didn't get the attention that they were used to and very quickly didn't work out. And they were either kicked out very quickly or, or they left very quickly because they couldn't live without being the center of attention and it didn't work for them. And that was fine. We were in the school for them. But I think it also says how quickly the community will reject someone, that thing because of who their parents are, that they're more important than anybody else. Sure, sure. Uh, Christoph, what does the future of education look like to you? Do you envision traditional classrooms to still exist in the future? I think the future is going to be absolutely fascinating. My hope is that AI will allow us to get this core knowledge I was talking about earlier in a far more efficient and individual way. And so we'll save so much time because you'll learn the Pythagoras theorem in a way that will resonate very quickly with you and that will make sure that you actually acquire it very quickly. And so once you have that, once you have this core knowledge that AI will help us do, teachers will have a fascinating and far more complex job of getting together to apply this to how do, what do we do with this knowledge and how do we do projects together? How do we use AI then in different uh, sources to actually do something very cool with it? And, uh, and this is where entrepreneurship, I think, will come in. Not in that I want Rosians to create businesses necessarily, uh, but as a pedagogical tool. I think this is how you're going to complete complements, putting together all those different things. So you have studied the bee, how a bee flies and works in, in biology, and you'll use that to create a mini drone that will mimic it to go pollinize in China, because you heard that all the bees are disappeared in China and we need to find another way to pollinize. And so you pull together all, the, all those different knowledges that you've gotten from AI with the coaching of teachers that are very subject, uh, deep in their subject knowledge and will allow you to go deeper where you need and point you to the right resources and make sure you're structured and you work as a group. I think this is going to be absolutely fascinating. That's incredibly refreshing because it sounds like you're fully embracing it and not fighting it. And I share the same uh, view. I, I think uh, the artificial intelligence is not here to replace, but it's here to elevate and take things to, to the next level. Absolutely. Christoph, what does success mean in your role? Very easily. It means students that come out of Rosa that are happy, are proud of what they did, that have an open mind to the world and are getting off out of Rosa wanting to solve the world's problem and having an impact and having had the first baggage to do so. I like that. 
Uh, Christoph, I've really enjoyed the conversation uh, with you. Before we let you go, any final message or advice for parents and students who are considering joining Le Rosé? There's a French saying that says qu'il faut trouver chaussures à son pied, which literally means you need to find a shoe that fits your, your own foot. And I think uh, where a school might not be shoes, there's a similarity there is important. As we've said, Rosa is, is very great for a number of kids that are curious, that want to explore so many things. That, but it's not the right school for somebody that would be only fascinated about quantum physics and want to do quantum physics all day long without doing much sports and without doing other things, right? So um, I think it's important that you consider the right school for who your children are. And I'm very impressed with families that are going down the route of actually selecting different schools for the different children, which sometimes end up being a logistical nightmare, but can actually be at times uh, very good for the children. And so I think investing in knowing the schools and going and visiting and spending time in the school is, is a very interesting and worthwhile experience for, for parents and students, of course, that are increasingly making the choices, which I think is great. I agree. And and that's a huge part of what we do also at Swiss Learning is trying to, uh, you know, explain to everyone that not every school is the right school for you. And we're there to try to find the one that is the right fit for them. The right one for me would not be the right one for my brother, uh, the younger or the older. We all have different talents and different interests. And so I think that, yeah, we all need to find that shoe that fits just our foot. Absolutely. Christoph, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Um, if any of our listeners wish to continue this conversation, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, uh, I'm actually not that public on public on social media, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm definitely on LinkedIn and I'm happy to talk to people there. But I'm always a phone call or an email away uh, on campus. And the best way is to come and visit and have a chat. Fantastic. And if anyone else has any other questions about anything else they heard on the podcast today, feel free to contact me at carla at swisslearning.com. Thanks for listening and until next time.